Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am Jay Thomas, and this week we are talking about Scream. You might be thinking, again? Didn't you just do this? No, I was talking about Scream. This time I'm talking about Scream. It seems obvious to me. This isn't funny, Amber. Would you like to play a game, Tara? Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm... I know who you are. I've been through this. A lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? For this? Never. Oh, stop! Wait, wait, wait! There's certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. Yes, this week we are talking about the brand new Scream, Scream 5, technically. I'm just going to call it Scream 5 because that's what it is. I, I don't know what this trend is, and they've been doing it for a long time now, of just renaming the sequels the same thing as the original. And I don't know why it's a thing that keeps happening, but it is getting a little confusing. Especially since this is a continuation of the Scream series. This is very clearly a part five. There are elements from part four in this movie. So it is the continuation. So just call it Scream 5. I don't know what your problem is. Uh, This is the first Scream uh, not directed by Wes Craven, who passed away in 2015. And it has now been taken over by the directors of Ready or Not Radio Silence, Matt uh, Bettinelli-Ulpin and Tyler Gillette. And, uh, you know, for the most part... There's a lot of things that work for me in this movie, but overall, it didn't really come together for me, and I'm disappointed by that. By the way, this is a non-spoiler review. I'm not going to get into specifics. One of the best parts about the Scream movies is the whole whodunit aspect of it, because Ghostface changes every single movie. There's never been the same killer as before, because they're usually killed. Weird. I never really put that together, but yeah, like every killer dies. They all, no one gets arrested. They all die. So it is always a different killer, and it's always a different Ghostface. Even though Ghostface tends to always act the same, it's the same voice. Roger L. Jackson is has been the voice of Ghostface since the very beginning, and it's a voice changer, as uh, you know if you've seen the movies that uh, they do when they make the calls. And even a couple times you see Ghostface in this movie, 
click something and then Ghostface is talking and it's just that voice. And there's a really cool thing in the beginning of this movie when in the opening scene, the opening scene is always kind of the the cool part in these movies because you know there's going to be a death and it's how you're introduced to this new uh, chapter. And it usually doesn't, like it, it loosely has to do with uh, the rest of the movie, but you know, not really, just in a, in a really kind of vague way. But in uh, in this one, the the girl uh, Jenna Ortega, who plays uh, Tara, is, is home alone, and this person calls that wants to talk to her mother. And as the call gets going, this person keeps talking to her. And I kept thinking, I'm like, is this actually uh, Roger L. Jackson just doing a normal voice? Is this just what he really sounds like? And as the the conversation goes on, and it gets more kind of in a creepier territory his voice just slowly changes into Ghostface. And I really like that. As somebody that does voiceover work and has worked in radio for a long time and does a lot of commercials, and I do stuff with my voice a lot, I really loved that part of his voice just slowly changing into the much more sinister Ghostface voice that we all know. And one thing that this movie does that I think it's building from the fourth movie is Ghostface, which is funny because... Like I said, the killers are different every time, but it's sort of just like an evolution of the ghost face idea. He's much more mean and violent as these movies go on. And the things he says, he's just much harsher. And this opening scene, I actually thought it really worked for me. When Ghostface does show up, it there's there's a lot of tension getting built. Uh, it is reminiscent of the Drew Braymore scene more than any of the other ones because it's a woman alone in her house. Because I think in the last ones we've seen... Um, so the first one was Drew Barrymore, then the second movie, you had Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps at the uh, movie theater. I loved that. I thought that was good. Seeing the first Stab movie. And then in the third one, it's uh, Cotton Weary. And then the fourth one, it's a whole bunch of opening credits of the Stab movies. And then it ends up being uh, The Girl from Friday Night Lights and that other one, and they die. Um, in this one, a unique thing happens. Um you don't know as the credits roll, but uh, Tara actually lives. And you're like, oh, is this going to be the, the main girl? And it's not. It's her sister, uh, played by Melissa Barrera, who plays Sam Carpenter. That, that's the thing. There's a character named Wes in this. And there's a character named, with the last name Carpenter. And they're just clear, obvious nods to Wes Craven and uh, John Carpenter. And that That's fine. But when you're a horror fan, it's like, it just seems a little on the nose, I guess. Um, and that's sort of what this movie is to me. I think there's a lot of parts that are just sort of like a little too on the nose. Um, but you you spend a lot of the movie, most of it, with Sam and uh, and her boyfriend, Richie, played by Jack Quaid from uh, The Boys. And she is the, the sister that's sort of estranged from Tara. And she has to come back to Woodsboro once she finds out that her sister's been attacked. And it is a brutal attack. Like, Ghostface is very stabby-stabby in this one. Like, that's sort of the thing. He always stabs. In fact, the movies based on Scream are called Stab. Uh, but it's a lot of stabbing in this one. And very violent and very mean-spirited and uh, very gory. This is probably the goriest and most brutal of the Scream movies. Uh, but when she comes back to town, she meets the new group of kids. The new group. And we meet them similarly to the kind of fountain scene from the original Scream movie, uh, but they're at a bunch of picnic tables, and it's, you know, teens talking about sex, and, you know, the typical horror teen kids. Um, and some of them are familiar faces. Uh, Mikey Madison plays Amber, and she's sort of shown briefly in the in the opening, 
That's who uh, Tara thinks she's talking to. She is from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She plays one of the Manson family, uh, the one that actually gets lit on fire uh, with the flamethrower. She's in this. So instantly I was like, I don't trust you, lady. Uh, but then they point out everybody. Like, that's the thing. Everybody knows what's going on. Um, you meet Wes, who's from 13 Reasons Why, and he was also in uh, He was in Lost, like the last season. He played Jack's kid. He, and he, he, uh, his last name is Hicks. And Hicks is the same as the sheriff, who uh, was Marley Shelton, Sheriff Judy Hicks from uh, the previous movie. So she's like the only, she's the only character that was new in four that comes back. I sort of wished Hayden Panettiere would have been in it because I liked her a lot. But you meet these kids and they're okay. And then you also have uh, Mason Gooding, who plays uh, Chad Meeks Martin and Jasmine Savoy Brown, who's just in Yellow Jackets. She plays Mindy Meeks Martin, the twins. And if Meeks sounds familiar, that's because they are Randy's niece and nephew. So you've got uh, a connection there. And uh, Mindy is very, she's the Randy in this movie. She knows a lot of movies. But here's the thing. Like, you meet this new group. I think we're supposed to, like, get really connected with them. They all meet up at one point in one scene at their house at uh, the Meeks residence and, and Randy's sister's back played by Heather Montezaro, and that's a fun scene, but, like, that's where they describe the rules of the requel, which is the reboot-sequel combination, and they get very, very meta, and everybody's like, well, then you could be the killer, and you could be the killer, and you start to learn that uh, everybody has some sort of connection to the original murders, so everybody's kind of has something going on, and that, that includes Sam and Tara. There's something about them and their past, which I'm not going to give away because it's actually a pretty neat thing i think it could be very decisive of of if you like it or you don't like it if you're in you're in if you're not i could totally see why somebody would be like this is dumb i happen to like it i thought it was neat uh but there's something about them that connects to the uh original murders as well um so the killer is going after people that are involved in these original things and that brings them to bring dewey in as an expert and dewey played by David Arquette, is my favorite part of this movie. I think he does such a good job in this one. There's a couple times everybody has a little moment that it's like, where my wife laughed out loud when it clearly was not a joke. Um, But I think David Arquette does a really good, down-on-his-luck, kind of grounded Dewey. Dewey's not really silly in this one at all. He's just a guy that's been through a lot of stuff, and he lives in a trailer now. And at first he turns away Sam and Richie. He's like, no, I don't want anything to do with this. And then he gets involved, and then he has to get a hold of, you know, Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, and of course, Sidney Prescott, played by uh, Nev Campbell, to let them know. He's like, don't come back here. Like, stay far away. There's ghost face killings again, and these seem very different. You need to stay away. So Dewey's just going to stay back and and help these kids. That's kind of the basis of the movie. I'm not going to go any further with it. On, on exactly, you know, plot stuff, because you don't need to know anymore. Um, I will say, I think the killings are very good. Um, they're very violent, like, very brutal. They're very slow. Some of them are very slow. Like, there's one death where you see a knife go through somebody's neck very slowly, and, like, you see the outline of the knife, and it's like, Ugh, this is pretty nasty. And there's a, a very uh, intense death at a hospital. There's a thing here. Uh, Tara spends most of the movie in the hospital. And I don't know what, if horror movies have ever actually been to real hospitals. But between Halloween, 
this well Halloween kills actually does hospitals right but like I'm thinking Halloween 2 and like uh, Scream 4 does this as well and uh, then now Scream 5 no one ever seems to be in the hospital like no one's ever around the rooms no nurses are ever really there's like one that walks by every time I've ever been in a hospital nurses galore they're always around and at night it's always like really dark and no one's around in these movies that's not how hospitals work. Um, the last half of the movie ends up in a very familiar location. Uh, you see you see it in the trailers. It ends up at Stu's house. Stu, obviously one of the killers. Stu's mentioned quite a bit in this movie as like, no one cares about Stu. No one knows who that was. It's always Billy Loomis. Everybody knows about Billy Loomis. He's the one that did it. And then he had a partner, but no one cares about, about him. And I was like, oh man. That, that kind of sucks. And uh, one of the kids, uh, Amber, lives at Stu's house. So, of course, she's having a party because, you know, even when there's mass murders in town, there's got to be parties. And that leads us to the finale. And, you know, the the best part about these movies, it's not always the best part, but the one you're looking forward to is you're always trying to figure out who the killer is. You're always trying to figure out who is it going to be, why is it going to be that person. And when the reveal happens and you find out motives, I mean, if it works you're going to remember the movie. For me, this is when it kind of falls apart. You know, and I think rewatching is also going to be difficult cuz then when you rewatch a scream movie, you're like, okay, if there's more than one killer, who killed when? And but Ghostface always looks the same. I'm talking like height-wise too. And I think that's that's where if you look into it too much, it's like some of this doesn't work for me as much. Like when you go back and watch Scream 2 and it's like, all right, when was it Billy Loomis's mob? I don't know that she could have done those things. She seems like a little person, like a small woman. I don't know that she could have handled all of it like that. And she doesn't seem that tall. So, you know, the things like that you can go back and watch. And it's like, I don't know if that really works. And I rewatched Scream 4 after I watched this to see, you know, where if I liked Scream 4 more than I like Scream 5. And I don't know. I think they're kind of interchangeable. They have a lot of very similar ideas. But the ending gets very meta. I don't know that I really bought it, and I don't know that I really liked the ending all that much. Even the fact that they were at Stu's house, like, it just seemed like it was too much of things I've already seen. Sort of like when I was talking about Ghostbusters um, Afterlife. You know, I liked it for the most part, but there's a there's a, a time when they stick way too close to what we've already seen. And when you start to do that, I, I, I lose interest in it, and... I think Scream 5 kind of does the same thing where it's fun to have homages and there's plenty of those. I mean, there's even um, a part where somebody's uh, limping at Stu's house. I'm like, oh, it's just like when, when Randy was doing that. And my wife is like, oh my God, she's just rolling her eyes. And the thing with like the uh, the new group of people, you're with them sort of in that beginning part like that I was talking about around the picnic table. And then you're with them at like a bar kind of, which is weird because they're in high school. And then they sort of disappear for most of the movie. And for the most part, we're with Tara, Richie, and Sam, like, the whole time. And then the friend group comes back at the end. And and the whole idea is, like, it's probably one of them as the killer, or it could be multiple version, multiple of them being the killer. But you don't really know them enough. So if any of them are revealed to be the killer, it's like, well, I don't know that character that much. So why is why do I care that they're doing this? So you hope the motive is going to be strong enough to carry you through. It's like in, in Scream 2 also, and Scream 3, when you find out who the killer is, one of the killers anyway, it's like, we weren't with them enough to care that they're doing this. Like, what? I, that's why with the first movie, when it ends up being Billy and Stu, it's like, 
wow, they, we've been with them this entire movie. And you never really do that again. And But I don't know. They, you know, I, I didn't totally dislike this movie. As far as Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and uh, David Arquette go, I think they did really well. You get more Arquette than you get Nev Campbell and, and Courtney Cox. Get a little bit more of Courtney Cox than Nev Campbell. Uh, Nev is sort of just sort of there kind of at the end to help um, try to solve this thing. That's fine. I, it, it's okay. Like they talk about this being a requel and they know that, that it's a requel. And that's the whole meta part of it. It kind of reminds me of the way that The Matrix was almost too meta at, at a time. Like there's a, a scene where Mindy is explaining, you know, what a requel is and explaining the fandom of the stab movies, which is commenting on the fandom of the scream movies. And she's like, people always go back to the original. None of them have ever been as good as that first one. And there are people that are obsessed with that first movie and they want it to be just like that. They're like, oh my God, she's talking about me. I just did a podcast all about how much I love the first movie. They're like, oh no, I'm the bad person that they're talking about. And, you know, it's good to a point, but then I'm like, I feel like it's just too much. There's just too much meta right now and too much... I think tributes to the original things that I kind of couldn't totally get into it. And I'm hoping rewatching it, I'll like it more, but there's, there's not a lot of surprises where I was hoping there'd be surprises. There is one very cool surprise. There's one kind of twist thing that I had no idea. I didn't see anything on the internet. I didn't get spoiled before I went in, which was great. I, I was so happy because by the time you're hearing this, Scream 5 has been out for almost a month. And to the fact that I didn't get spoiled on this shocks the hell out of me because I thought for sure it was going to happen. Um, as far as the new characters go, I really liked uh, Jasmine as Mindy. I liked Mason as Chad. Like You don't get a lot of them, but when you do get them, I liked it. Maybe it was just that they were the relations to Randy. Um, I thought Sam was fine as the kind of new lead of the series. And where they go in another one, because a Scream 6 has been greenlit. It could be very interesting if they continue the path with her that they might. Um, she goes through a lot of changes in the movie, and I'm kind of on board with what might happen with her. But there's some there's some fun stuff in here. There's a couple lines that Dewey has that my wife and I have still been laughing at. There's a really funny line that Jack Quaid has towards the end of the movie that made us laugh out loud. Um, there's a couple funny parts, but this one was definitely more serious than the other ones. I kind of, the fun of some of, some of the other Scream movies isn't really there. Like, I don't want the silliness of Scream 3. And Scream 4 kind of was on that line, too, of being a little too serious. Scream 4 is also very dark, and I don't mean thematically. It, like, visually, it's, it's a darker movie. It's weird. I don't I didn't like that. But as far as, you know, where does this one rank? I don't know if I could really say for sure. Um, I still think they're kind of in the same order as they came out. I think I might like... Th- four and five maybe a little bit better than scream three but scream three is still part of that original trilogy so who knows i love i love these movies and i i would say i'm mixed to not liking this one but i'll still probably buy it when it comes out because like clearly i have a problem well that's it for this week of the rewatch podcast next week we are going to be talking about the fred savage 1989 full-length nintendo commercial the wizard and uh, my good friend cyrus fees is going to return for that one So we'll talk to you next week. The Rewatch Podcast is an Alpha Media production.